and we are in the age where, you know, we have restricted the Bible to our cell phone. So somebody might say, why is he carrying this too big Bible? Does he want to intimidate us? No, I'm not here to intimidate you. But I'm here because I want us to get the word of God as it is. And this one is where I have the New King James, where I'm going to read for, for reading's sake. But for those who know me, you know that I love the King James. <laughs> the old King James. Uh, and there are reasons why I love using the old King James. And if you really want to study the Word of God, if you don't have the King James, you must have the NIV. If you really want to study the Word of God, because there are certain words that if you use some of the paraphrase version, like the Living Bible, and I use different type of versions, but if you use only that, you will not understand the fundamental issues that scripture wants to bring to us. And today, I will not do so much of general preaching, but I will do more of just teaching and hoping that the Holy Spirit will minister to our hearts. Uh, just before uh, I start, uh, I was told that a wonderful mom is here with us. And uh, we all know wonderful is one of our teachers in the children's uh, ministry. So welcome, ma. We're, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, or you are one of our members, but for one reason or the other, you have not been able to be with us for the, past, for the last two Sundays. Um, we started a series called Transformed. And in this series, uh, we're talking about some of the things that we believe that is essential for us as believers to enter into the life that Christ has for us. And that's one of the first things that Pastor Tricia dealt with, which was that we have been called to thrive. You know, one of the words I, I don't like is when people say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an hustler. I'm an hustler. And it becomes normal. You understand? What is hustler? You understand? You know, it says, we have not been called to survive. We have been called to thrive. Yeah. I am a survivor. Survivor of what? You have to define it. Self-awareness was what we dealt with last week. And so today, we're going to proceed looking at overcoming the fear of man. Now, there are certain basic things that we have to lay foundations on as we build this morning. And I know that time will fail me to go into in-depth teaching of those things because these are topics that we can do. For, for, for a whole month, we can be going through it little by little. And because of the fact that there will be other speakers coming next week, Subs is going to be preaching. And after, also on this same theme and this same series, I will not spend so much time into going into some aspect that they might cover by the grace of God. But today, I want to lay foundation on what this word transform does not mean and what it means from biblical perspective 
Because this is a word that is being used constantly. We are about, you know, we, we know we're going on the transformation. And some government will come, you know, politicians, and they will say, you know, I'm, if you vote for me, I'm going to transform your nation. To what? You have to ask them, what are you t- planning to transform it for? What is your transformation agenda? Because if you are going to transform us to become like you, and you are a corrupt person, then there is no hope for us. So we have to know, when somebody is saying transform, what is he talking about? And I want to lay some certain foundations and distinction in scriptures. Because when we pray and say, God, transform me. You know, he has to be sure that you understand what you are saying. So today, this is the first thing I'm going to do before I move on. But we are going to read a lot of scriptures. And um, I will not, I'm not using the PowerPoint so much. I'm just putting the title up there and the scripture we are going to be reading. And uh, you might wonder that does this scripture actually link with transformation or transformed or being transformed and overcoming the power and the fear of man. But as we read, um, you will see as we begin to study. So I'm reading from Genesis chapter 32. Uh, Genesis chapter 32. And I'm going to stop at Genesis chapter 33, verse 4. So it's a long journey. And I just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will help us. Genesis chapter 32. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, so Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place, my name. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 6. Then the messenger returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him. And the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servants. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well, and make 
your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for his or his brother. Verse 14. 200 female goods and 200 male goods, 200 health and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their cots, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 flows. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servant, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong? And where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servants, Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord, Esau. And before, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau. When you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him. But he himself lodged that night in the camp. Verse 22. And he arose that night and took his wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that it did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Penia. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penia, the sun rose on him and he lived on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the mozu that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because it touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the mozu that shrank. Verse, chapter 33, verse 1. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Leah Rachel, and the and the two maid servants, and he put the maid servant and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to him to meet him and embrace him 
and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept father this morning as we enter into your word may your word enter into us we ask this morning that you will grant us entrance into your word lord we pray that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened this morning lord we pray that you by your spirit will reveal to us your mind this morning help us this morning for our expectation is on you thank you father that when we live here that you would have started a work in us and you will continue it father in jesus mighty name amen i've taken a time to read this long um bible verse because i know in this modern time is not the norm for us to do uh we often want to skip but it's essential that we understand that this is like a drama unfolding a drama within with two brothers and if you don't understand the background of what has happened before you might wonder what will create fear in a man wanting to meet his brother you might want because if you don't know these two are actually what we we'll call twins you know and if you don't know, you wonder that why would a person be so much afraid that he has to prepare all this gift just because he wants to meet his brother? And if you have understood the beginning of this story when Jacob and Esau were about to be born, and the Bible says that Esau was the one that came out first, but Jacob was the one that had to his ear. And therefore, he was called Jacob. And that name, in some other places, means supplanter. He was trying to supplant his brother. He was trying to say, no, you can't go out first. You can imagine a child. A child, at, at, if I don't understand the type of mind that child must have had, that he said, no, you can't go first. I have to go. And if you go, I will hold your lips. Because you are going out, I must follow you out. You know, and it is so much something that these people... From inception, their, their story has been dramatic. So it, the life of Jacob himself has been a drama that if it was to be acted to us. You know, I'm sure many of us will not want to be Jacob because his story is such a one that is actually unique. Even different from his fathers, Abraham and Isaac. But before we go deep into this man, I want to tell us that... The foundation is that when we're talking about transformed, we have to remember that the Bible is not written in English. The Bible, we are told, that is written in Hebrew, is written in Greek. The the New Testament was written in Greek, and part of the Old Testament is written in Aramaic, especially Daniel chapter 4 down. Now, my position today is not to do you know, those Bible things, because we have already learned about them in the BFC. However, it is important because when the Bible talked about transformed, transformed, we as Christians need to be able to be able to discern what is transformed from God's view and what is not transformed from God's view. And I will point to certain scriptures that talk about this. So my aim in explaining this 
is going to be from the biblical perspective. Now, I will start saying what I do not mean by transformed so that you understand when I go in depth and I'm talking about God wanting to transform us, we understand what we do not mean by this. And in the context of which we are speaking, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 15, it will not come up. The Bible says, for such as first prophets, apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their word. Now, I, I would want to say to you that I find out, as I began to study the word again, that the word transformed there. If I was not going in depth by the grace of God to study, I would have assumed that it's the same word we want to talk about. But this word transformed here is actually meta schemazo. Now, I am not trying to teach you Greek, but I'm trying to bring this because it is essential. This word has to do with this, a scheme. And the original word is transfigure or disguise. So this transformation of the devil was to disguise. The aim was to deceive. So we must understand this because sometimes we go and we are confused that why what is happening to the church? That look, this pastor is doing this. Know that there is a difference between false apostles and the real apostles. That is why it says, it says here, it says, for as false apostles, deceitful workers, because it is essential. The reason why people confuse Christianity is, and every time they point fingers at Christians is because they cannot differentiate between false prophets and true prophets. Because everyone seems to have the same appearance. But the Bible says, by their fruit, you shall know them. Because the fruit is something that you have to bear inward. We cannot see, you know, by mere looking at them and recognize that they are false prophets. But the Bible says that what they are doing is they are disguising. So when we are talking about transformation or being transformed, we are not talking about this type of transformed. You, I, I don't know how many of us is familiar with this old movie called Face Off. You know, and this person took the face, Mr. Hay took the face of Mr. B. And later, Mr. B took the face of Mr. Hay. But the fact is that what is inside Mr. Hay, Mr. B can never duplicate. And that is what the devil cannot do. You see, if you are a child of God, no matter how much people change their face, they cannot duplicate the life of Christ. That is why the Bible says, by their fruit we shall know them. It is essential that we understand that this transformation is something that is not first of all outward, but first of all inward. You cannot try to be a Christian if you have not had an encounter in which the Holy Spirit begin a regenerative work within you. You can try to say Christian words. You can try to say, Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. But I tell you the truth. It's just me making of noise. Because it has to come inside. You see, I know the difference between when I was not saved and when I became a Christian. Even if I try to play a Christian 
when I was not saved, I know that I'm not a Christian. But when I became one, you don't have to tell me because I know that something has happened within me. There's something that I've started and something began to build up. And it is not long ago that my friends who we used to do some things that of the world began to know that no, this guy is no longer part of us. For you to try to be a chameleon is to be a false Christian. You see, this transformation is not that I change my color today. Tomorrow I change another color. You know, I blend. If I'm in my social gathering, my Bible, I put it aside and I blend. And they say, you know, these Christians, they always treat people. They always like judgmental. Ha, ah, it's true. You say, I don't understand them too. No, you are blending today. And tomorrow, you start another one. This is not the type of transformation we want. This is not the trans- type of transformation that we are aiming to achieve. This transformation is not to disguise. The Bible says that some of these people having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. No matter how much the devil tries, he can never be a believer. You know, somebody came to me one day when we were on campus and he said, you know, I have a solution to all this problem. I said, what is the solution? He said, let's pray that the devil will change. (laughs) I said, don't waste your prayer. (laughs) It has been decided from the beginning. Don't waste your time. Because you think that if the devil can change, then we will all be happy. No, he cannot change. He cannot. He can try to transform himself, but he is not. And that's why we have to train ourselves to distinguish this. I will move on because it is important that we understand this. Now, what type of transformation is God seeking? Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us something. It says, be not conformed to this word any longer, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you might prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, can I tell you something? If you have not studied, you would think that this same transformed is the same thing, but it's not. In fact, this same transformed is actually used four times in the Bible. And these four times in the New Testament is another time when the Bible says Jesus was transfigured. That's in Matthew chapter 17. It is the same word that was used as be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Is a transfiguration that it wasn't that Jesus initiated it, it was God that started it. And when he says this same word, is the same word that was said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He said, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are being changed. We are changed in the kingdoms. But I love also the Amplified. Our sister Knox also brought it to us last week. He said, we are being constantly being transfigured. Now, it is essential that we understand. Constantly being transfigured. It is not something that happened once off. It is something that is continuous. 
we are constantly being transfigured. So don't try to be Pastor Wayne. Because what God started in him is still doing. Let God begin what he's doing in your own life. We are constantly. But one thing that is interesting. And one thing I want us not to skip here. He say, but we all. He didn't say some people. You see, in the Old Testament, what happened was God wanted people to experience this. He wanted to change every one of them. But they were not willing to have God do this. And so they said, Moses, you can go up to God. And whatever God says, you can bring it to us. And therefore, when God has spoken to Moses, the Bible says when Moses come out, you see, his face begin to shine. So much that Moses had to take a veil and cover his eyes when he's, or his face when he's speaking to them. But the Bible says that is not what God wanted for them. And that is why he say, but we all, with what? With unveiled faces. We are not called to come into God's presence with veiled faces. That is why when Jesus died, the first thing that happened was, was the dividing. Because this glory is not supposed to be in one man's eyes. You see, we all are constantly being transformed. You see, the problem of the society cannot be solved with Pastor Lindo alone. But if all of us is actually constantly being transformed, and I in my place of work am seen as a Christian, you in your business, you are seen as a Christian, you in whatever business or other phase you have, you are seen as a Christian, then God is actually achieving his purpose. If Pastor Lindo has to leave his work and come to my place and meet with the professors and begin to speak with them and leave that place and go to your business and say, where are your workers? I want to speak to them again. You see, he will die before his time. <laughs> that is why Jethro said to, to Moses, what you are doing is not good. So you, are going, you, can't, you can't survive like this. You can't, you can't live like this. You alone will call the people and be judging them. This is God's desire for us. And that is why we are trusting and we are working on this issue of transformation. I would like to move forward. This transformation we talk about, from what we can see, the initiator is God. It's not you. You know, some people say you can change yourself to whoever you want to be. That is a lie. You see, the lie of the devil from the beginning was that if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. So they say, okay, let's self-initiate it. And then what happened when they ate it? The Bible said their eyes were opened. And they what? They saw that they were naked. You see, what the devil's lie does to us is it leaves us naked. And then we begin to seek our personal human clothing. The Bible says they now began to spend, to, to have to cut leaves and sow thick leaves for themselves because they now realize that they are naked. But the Bible told us at the end of chapter 2 that they were naked and they were not ashamed. So what happened? Because the devil has told a lie to them and they believed. The word tells us. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed any longer to this word. The word tells us, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. 
And then you enter into that race. You're trying to be that. You're struggling. You're struggling. But how can you be that which God has not started in your life? Why is this issue essential? What can the fear of man do to a child of God? Because it is essential that we understand this. I will lay certain foundations in reference to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. The Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a trap for us. It sets a trap for us. And this trap, if we are not mindful of it, what it does is it will stop us from entering into what God wants to do in our lives. You know, if you have maybe a, a rat that you feel is disturbing you and it eats things up in your house and you know where the rat is entering from and you set a trap, what you are wanting to do is that you stop the rat because the trap will take the rat and actually stop the rat there so that the rat will not be able to enter into our house and feed from it. So when the enemy sets the trap for us, out of the fear of man, we are unable to enter into what God has for us. And these things, only if God opens our eyes can we see that, oh, so this is what the enemy is planning. You might think it's normal. It's normal for me to, 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 you know, the fear of man is normal. But it's not. And I'm not going to be talking today because time will not permit. And even we have spoken about issue of fear because we know that the scriptures say God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind, which makes us to understand that even fear itself is a spirit. The fear of man. What can it do to a believer? I will just share three things and then we'll move to the issue of overcoming this fear. The first thing is deceit. The Bible says for us, Abraham, Abraham, when he wanted to go down to Egypt, he told the wife, he said, Sarah, you know you are a pretty woman. If we enter this place and these people see that you are my wife, they might kill me. And I'm sure you don't want your husband to die. So please tell them that you are my sister. Now this word I'm saying, you know, it has caused confusion to many believers. It has caused debate. In fact, I can't remember, maybe it was the, New, the American Standard Version some years back, where it was saying, Abraham's half-truth. And I remember a question in which we had a Bible study in the in 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 campus when we were my, in my undergraduate, and I was supposed to facilitate the discussion at the end. And somebody asked a question. He said, "What type of lie can you tell that you will still be acceptable before God?" Because why? Abraham. He said, "Because Abraham." Told a lie here. Ha, and there was debate. Some people say, no, it was not a lie. Some people say it was a lie. Then some people say it's half truth. <laughs> now, you 
can debate it if you want when you get home. But today, we will not debate it. I will tell you what it is. And then you can debate it. The Bible says, it went down. And when it went down, Pharaoh took the wife because he says, my sister. But God visited the house of Pharaoh. And the Bible says he closed the womb of the women in the house. And what happened? They tried to find out. And he said, this man, this is the cause of a problem. You have taken his wife. And he had to call Abraham. And he said, why did you lie to us? That is your sister. And Abraham said, you know, I thought that in this place, and later he did the same thing with with Abimelech. I thought in this place that there is no fear of God. So they might kill me. But anyway, it's actually my sister too. But your sister has become your wife. You can no longer keep addressing her as your wife, as a sister. Because you are trying to do that. You see, a lie is everything that actually serves as a cover-up from the truth. If we have to cover up with whatever thing, because we are afraid of what people will do to us, it can be a problem. The second thing is that disobedience. Disobedience. How does disobedience affect the man, the, the child of God in the heart of what we are talking about? So, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 to 24, the Bible says God said from the beginning of that chapter to Saul. He says, Saul, I have a mission for you. The people of Abimelech, the Amalekites, the Amalekites, they hindered my people when they were entering into the promised land. I want you to go and utterly destroy them. And the Bible said he went. But the people told him, let's leave some things out. Don't let's destroy everywhere. This one is good. God also likes it. And he responded to them. And then what happened? I'll read verse 23 through for you. For rebellion, this is when God sent someone to him. And God said, Saul has failed to do what I've told him to do. He said, and he came to him, he said, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Because, listen, this is the reason why I did it, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You see, one of the biggest challenge of a leader is deciding should I respond to the cry of the people or to the voice of God. You see, one of the challenge that we preachers have is that we are saying, should I say what they want to hear or should I say what God is saying? And if I say what they want to hear, the church might grow in number. 
And they might say, preach on, pastor. You know, we like you, pastor. You know, you were just touching my heart. And you were saying what I wanted to hear. But God is saying, your word cannot go with me again. I'm taking away my word from you. And the danger with that is this pastor might still come and preach. But he's not preaching the word of God. This is the greatest fear for me as a preacher of God's word. Because I know that if I choose to preach what people want to hear, the one who has sent me can take his word away from me. And I can Google and come up with messages. What are we doing with Google? Messages are busy. And I will bring one message out. And I will preach it. And people will say, oh, that was a lovely message. But God is saying, what have you said? The people did not know what that saw was removed by that act. How long was he still on the king? On the, on the throne? He was there for some years. But he was removed already. He was just occupying a space. I pray to, for us who are preachers of God's word that we will not keep occupying space when the master has taken away the utterance from us. There are people, they are occupying space. And people are coming in. But nothing is happening. Because they are not transformed. Because the preacher himself has not been transformed. You know, today as we are praying, Aunt Carol said something again. He said, you know, we will be held accountable for every word that we hear. Sometimes it will not be better for us to have heard it. And I say, hey, and Carol. Now, we'll be held accountable for what we hear. Now, for me, who is preaching? Ha. The bar is high. But it's not for us to be afraid, but it's for us to hearken unto the voice of God. He said, David said that the Lord is on my side. What can man do to me? My friend said when we were in school, he said, if you tell the truth, you will die. If you lie, you will still die. Why don't you tell the truth and die? <laughs> you, you will die anyway. You will die. And this, my friend, is not just somebody who says it from theory. We're in school and he was preaching in the, in the middle there. And they said, keep quiet, keep quiet. And they took him and they carried him to the mosque, the Muslims. And they say, we have told you, stop saying this thing. This is a guy who is what? He's, he's, he's a radical. The fear of man can cause us to deny Christ. If they say, who will deny Christ? We'll say, nobody. You know, there are certain dramas that are dangerous. Time will not permit me. You know, this is my friend. He did something when we were on campus, but I was not, on, I was not in the fellowship that day. I was in the fellowship in, in town. But I had when I came to campus. And he arranged for some people that when he's preaching, they entered and they say, and they came with, with cutlass and all sorts of things. And they say, We told you to stop preaching. 
And they heard him. And they say, if you want to die for your pastor, come out. And everybody sat down there. And everybody said, okay, bend down, bend down. And they bent down. Everybody was in fear. But it was his friend that he arranged to come. And he said, if you are for Jesus, just, just signify. Nobody. And after some time, he said, everyone lift up your eyes. And they saw that these people were actually planned. And some people were hungry. They said, you are trying to test us. What about if we came out to fight for you? But why don't you come out first? We can point to Peter and say, Peter denied Christ. How can he do that? He said, I don't know him. They said, but we, we saw you with him. They me. Ah, I've never seen that man before. <laughs> I'm sure that Brolanga and Sister Knox, they will not want to experience a situation where you are meeting a near-death situation. And they say, is that your wife? Me? It's not my wife. Oh, I don't know how. We are just traveling together. They say, what is your name? They say, Nox Dramini. But it's the same surname. Yes. Ah, look, it's also spoiled Dramini. I don't know him. Why are you doing that? The fear of man. Denying Christ can come in different form. God is saying, preach to that person. And say, God, if I preach to them. And they say, you have come again. Or even if they slap me. Or even if they throw something on me. Do you know that some people have gone to preach for, for, in a place where they have thrown things on them? I've gone to preach in a place and the person brought out cutlass. And they say, if you don't leave now. But God has shown me ahead to say, this will happen. The fear of man has made people not to accept Christ. I've seen places where people have preached before. And women, they want to accept Christ. But their husband is standing there. And they say, ah, they're looking. Especially in the Muslim area. And they're looking. You know, there was this lady. I spoke to her about Christ. She's a Muslim. And she said, no, before I accept this Christ, I have to consider many things. If I go home, I might not have any home to go back to. You know, for some of us, they even celebrate us that we accept Christ, which is good. But some people, my wife was sharing with me, somebody when they were in high school, that he accepted Christ, is a Muslim. And the parents say, I can't, we can't pay your school fees again. And maybe from grade 9 or grade 8, he had to drop out of school. And he has a senior brother. So the senior brother was chatting with my wife a few weeks back. And you know, it means that the senior brother knew the repercussion. But later on in life, when God has dealt with the senior brother, he also accepted Christ. And he was the one who sponsored himself through university. You know, I I was in a place, and one person shared with us. He said, I I was a 50-year medical student, and I accepted Christ. And they said, look, if you want to graduate, because six years, medicine is six years, it's either you take Christ or you leave medical school. He came to speak to us and he said, I had to make a choice. I left medical school. He did not become a medical doctor because he has to choose. Should I go with Christ or should I go with men? My cousin, 
he came out in petroleum engineering and they said, look, here is job for us, for you. But you have to do something. You have to decide in the place because the Muslim dominated it, that you have to become a Muslim. And he said, I cannot. And for about eight years, he was without a job. But God helped him. When he got married to a wife, the mom was a UK citizen and he eventually ended. And petroleum engineering was a big thing. And that was how he ended. So when we are talking about the fear of man, it can hinder people to enter into what God has for them. This is not just, I'm afraid of my boss. No, no, no. This is not that one. This is something deep. I want to ask you a question. How many times have you disobeyed God because you are afraid of people's opinion? How many times have you had to deny Christ? You put your Bible in your pocket because you are afraid that they will say he's a Christian. You know, it comes small. It comes little by little. But Christ is saying, is that not a denier of me? He said, if any man denies me, you know, is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of that person. I want to give us an example, going back to Jacob quickly. What was the problem with Jacob? Jacob had a fear. And this fear was of this man, Esau. Because he cheated him of his blessing. And you know how he cheated him? He transformed himself to be Esau. The Bible says he put on, you know, the skin. And when his father was touching him, he said, the voice is like Jacob. But this body is like Esau. He was deceitful. And then he ran away. He had to leave the house because of Esau. And now he went to Laban's house and spent 20 years of his life doing what? Serving seven years for a girl. And after he served for Rachel, they gave him Leah. And this man did not know that it was Leah until he has entered and come out. And then he said, ah, this is Leah. I want Rachel. They say, you have to serve another. How long of your life will you spend serving for a woman? 14 years. Then after that, he served this other man for another six years. And this man keeps changing his wages until one day he realized 20 years have gone. He said, when we hide, take care of my own house. And God said, go back. And now he's going to go back. You would think that 20 years, the issue of Esau has gone. But then, he heard that Esau is coming. The fear that appears to have died by running away is still alive. If you don't deal with your fear, even if you run to London, you come back to South Africa, it will still be there. The devil will say, are you back now? <laughs> and now you realize that there is a problem. So what did he do? The first thing, and this is the issue for us. To overcome the fear of man, we must visit the doctor. I say visit the doctor. I do not say visit a doctor. You see, the word we recommend, a doctor for you. Have you been to a doctor? But he said, I say visit the doctor. And who is this doctor? Jesus is the doctor. He is the doctor. This man realized 
that this man will kill me if I don't do something. And he went to God. And that is the first stage. The first step is we must confess our fear of man. That is the first stage to overcoming fear of man to God. He said, God, in Genesis chapter 32, verse 9 to 12, 12, he started saying, God, you know you brought me here. And I was a man with one stick. And you have given me two companies. But there is a problem here. Esau is coming. And I fear him. I fear that he will kill me. I fear that he is going to finish all that you have started in me. Please help me. If you and I realize there is something that is going to squeeze the, world, the, 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 the life of God in us. That is going to turn our destiny and waste it away. We have to come to God and say, God, I'm afraid of this thing. For 20 years, I thought I've gotten rid of it. But it's still there. I went to London. I came back. It's still there. I went to America. I came back. It's still there. How can I move forward? Because if he does not deal with this issue, he can never walk into what God has for him. And this is the issue. And God helped him. I want to tell you today, if you will come to Jesus, if you will come and confess your fears to him, he's going to help you. He's not unaware of our fear, but he said, come unto me. You have to come. And that is why today we will not end the service without giving opportunity to those who have not visited this doctor. Because whatever we are saying here, you cannot enter into it if you have not visited him. This issue is an issue that has to do with destiny. It can make you to run everywhere and you become a wanderer. And you cannot live in the purpose of God for you, your life, because you are afraid. But the devil... You know, he knows that you're afraid. So he put Laban there. And Laban is tormenting you. And now you have to run away from Laban. After 20 years. And then you are coming again. Esau, where will you run to? You see, some of us, we have been running all our lives. But we have to stop. And face this. And that is the second thing. We have. It says Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? We have to question this fear. We have to say, what is it? What am I afraid of? Why am I afraid of this man? Why am I afraid? What is it that is a man that makes me unable to enter into what God has for me? The third thing is we must courageously confront our fear. Peter is a good example in the New Testament, which I spoke about. But the same Peter, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the Bible said they came to them. They said, we don't want you to speak about this person any longer. And Peter and the apostles, they said to them, we ought to obey God rather than men. He said, decide for yourself. Who should we obey? Should we obey God or should we obey men? 
And he said, we ought to be God. Rather than men. What happened to Peter? Peter has been transformed. The only reason why the same Peter, when they wanted to kill him, he said, no, kill me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my master is. Crucify me upside down. It's because something has happened to him. The same fearful Peter. So my encouragement to you today is that if you are fearful, and even if you have denied Jesus several times, Peter did the same. But the issue is that God helped him. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith will not be moved. And when you are converted, you know, also help your brothers. So, I want us to be encouraged today that if you will come to Jesus, if you will approach him with your fear, and I'm talking to two different set of people. I'm talking to the person that have not actually come to the doctor. Someone who has not actually encountered Jesus. That is on another level. But I'm also talking to the child of God who is actually living in fear. The Bible said of the people of, in the days of, of Gideon that they were living in caves for fear of the Midianites. These were children of the promise. But they were living in caves until the angel of God came to Gideon and said, Oh, mighty man of valor. He said, Me. Are you sure you are addressing the right person? And he said, go in this dynamite. We don't need to anoint you with oil. There is Jesus inside of you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than greater than he that is in the world. All we need to do is to let the master take control. So, as we move, there is one thing that happened. This man came and God wrestled with him. And what happened? After God has wrestled with him, the Bible says, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I asked myself, what type of blessing is Jacob asking of? Is he asking for money? Because we saw the list of the things that he was going to give to his brother. That man must be rich. Some of us are just asked to pay Lobola however many cows we don't even have. This man is going to give 200 something, 200 cows, you know, 30 milk camels. He's rich. He's not asking for money from God. He knows that if God does not help me, this brother will kill me. I can't face him as Jacob. God must do something to me. And God knew what he was going to do to him. And he said, what? What is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. He said, you will no longer be Jacob. You will be Israel. And the Bible says, when he came out of that place, he was leaping. And you see, somebody who is leaping now, he can't try to sprint again. Even if his plan was to run away, physically, he had to be leaning on the road. God has done something that now he can face. And the Bible says, when he faced him, Esau ran to him and embraced him. Bible says, if a man's way pleases God, he will make his enemy to be at peace with him. The reason why we are running from our enemy 
is because we have not been at peace with God. A restless mind with God will continue to be restless for man. This is the issue. How can this be achieved? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, By beholding Christ. We all have to do this. Prolanga was saying this. We all have to pray. I can't intercede for you. Even if I intercede for you, you still have to intercede and pray. You still have to pray. You see, you will still have to pray. You see, that was the problem of Saul. When God left him, he had to now go and call Samuel. Samuel that was dead now. And he was the one that said nobody should consult medium. He's now going and hiding because God has left him. Bible says God was no longer speaking to him. We have to be old. And this is not going to be done by any, by our strength. It's by the Spirit of God. And that's why the song, not by might, not by spirit. It's not by me shaking my head and saying, I must change now. I must change. No. It's not by that. The Spirit of God will walk in me. But I must allow him. And knowing who you are in Christ. The Bible says, for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Fear is the works of the enemy. The reason why we are talking about transformation is because Christ came to undo what the devil did. Time will not permit me because I must stop here. But I want to tell you something that the devil did. There will have been no need for transformation if the devil has not deceived Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, was, they were made in the image of God. There is no need for them to be formed in his image any longer because they were already formed in his image. There is no need for them to be transformed to his image because they were already made in his image. But when the devil came and he sold a lie for them and they believed it as it sometimes does for us and we believe him, something changed inside. They did not die physically, instantly, but they died inside. The life in them that was communicating with God, how sweet would it have been for God to visit you and I and sit down and say, let us discuss now. How many times have we spent time saying, God, show me. What should I do for my life? But God is sitting with this man and he said, come, all those animals, name them. He didn't do biology. Even I that did all this, I, I can't even remember all the names of animals. The Bible said the name he gave them was the name they are. God was saying, let's talk now. But something happened. And this same person, he had to hide from God. And the Bible said God was coming in the cool of the night, in the evening, to say, can we chat now? Can we go for a stroll? You see, many of us, God looks so big. And he's like, Moses, go and talk to God, not we. But God was talking with Adam before the fall. And only God knew the level would have been. But then Christ came to undo the work. But then, if we don't realize that the work has been undone, we'll still be living under the life that has been caused. This is why David said, what can man do to me? The Lord is by my side. 
I want us to bow our heart as we pray tonight. Is there something that is actually entering you? Every time you find yourself, there's two calls this day. And the first call is to this person. Who is saying, I hear what you are saying, but I have not been to this doctor. I want help, but I have not been to this man. There is no help any other place except at Jesus. There is no way Jacob would have overcome his fear if God has not met with him. He had to come to God alone. Look, forget about what your mom will say. Forget about what will happen at home when you give your life to Christ. I've seen people who say, but my boyfriend will leave me. Your boyfriend will still leave you. Even if you don't give your life to Christ. Why don't you just give your life to Christ? Why don't you just have a personal encounter? Because you see, if Esau killed Jacob, his wives will become widows. And they might even remarry. All the things he spent seven years serving for, 14 years serving for, they will remarry. This is an issue between you and God. You must set to it. All eyes closed. If you are here today and you say there is an issue between me and God and I want it settled. I don't want to go here meeting the fear that I left at all. Did I say, you are going to church. Go. I'm still going to wait for you there. And you are afraid to go home. Even when you sleep, you are afraid to close your eyes because fear has crippled you. I want you to lift up your hand this way. If you are here and you are saying, there's something. I want the doctor to help me. I want Jesus to help me. I've run from men for long. I can't say all these things because time will not permit me. But we have to close. I want, to, I want you to lift up your hands. Forget about who is beside you. The reason why sometimes we cannot lift up our hands is because we are thinking, what will the other person say? What will they say? What will they say? When that thing is trying to kill you, will they be there with you? If you want to go to Jesus today, there is an opportunity for you. Lift up your hand. There is no time. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you for lifting up your hand. But it will not end there. Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. I want you to stand up where you are. You've lifted up your hand. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up because Jesus wants to meet with you. If you have lifted up your hand, I want you to stand where you are. And for the second group of people, this you have to come forward. You know the fear of man that you have. I don't know it. You know it. God knows it. And you are saying, I've been in bondage all my life. I can identify with Jacob. I ran away from home. Going home is almost impossible for me because I'm not, I don't even know if those people, if they will allow me to leave. You might not be somebody that, that, that said something to you, but something is in your thinking. I want you to rise up 
where you are so that we can pray for you. I want you to rise up where you are so that we can pray for you. If you are saying, I know the fear that I have. And this fear has not allowed me to walk into what God has for me. Please, we don't have more time. Please come forward and we'll pray with you. We'll pray with you as God permits. This is an issue that must be settled between you and God. Some people cannot sleep at night. Every day, every day, something is holding them down. There is a fear that will not allow you to move forward. But God is here today. The master is here today. He said, where there is the spirit of God, there is freedom. I want leaders to come off, come forward and pray. The Savior is calling. Do not stay back. Do not call the pastor when you have an opportunity to deal with this. There is a space in the master's heart today. He's saying, I want to help you. This fear must end, but you must confess it. He knew all along, but he was waiting for you to come. Father, help us. Jacob was changed. Those who did not know what happened to Jacob, they are busy not eating the heap or the meat that shrank from the heap, but that is not the point. The point is that God did something to Jacob. Will you allow God to do something to you? If you like, don't eat the heap. You will still be afraid. This fear is not in outward thing. It was something inward. This thing was holding Jacob. And Jacob said, it will kill me. God, it will kill me. I don't want to die now. There is a destiny at stake here. There is destiny at stake here. Benjamin was still going to be born. Ah, something is at stake here. Something is at stake here. If you are sitting down there and you know that destiny is at stake here, please stand up and go come forward. You can't can't allow your destiny to be wasted due to the fear of man. God can help you out. He helped Jacob. He will help you out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for singing that song. Ah, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Ah, Jesus. The Bible says for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest that he might undo the work of the enemy. Bible said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil does not come for any other thing. His aim is to steal. Is to steal your destiny. Is to steal your joy. Is to steal your peace. Bible says he was distressed. Ah, his blood pressure rose. Ah, God help us.
at your door and his desire is for you but you must master over it can refuse to listen there's somebody sitting here saying God is saying to you you must master over fear you must rule over your fear will you sit down there and let fear consume you his desire is for you and he's crouching at the door of your destiny cannot allow that. Cain allowed that. And he became a wanderer. I don't want you to become a wanderer in the purpose of God for your life. You must enter into the destiny. Cain was the first boy, but he missed out. Sin crippled him. God is greater than your fear. He's greater than your fear. He's saying, come to me come to Jesus. Will you come to Jesus?